This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Richard Diamond, Private Detective, is an American detective drama created by Blake Edwards. Dick Powell starred in the radio series as a wisecracking former police officer turned private detective. Episodes typically open with a client visiting or calling cash-strapped Diamond's office and agreeing to his fee of $100 a day plus expenses, or Diamond taking on a case at the behest of his friend and former partner, Lieutenant Walter Levinson. And Diamond often suffers a blow to the head in his sleuthing pursuits. Most episodes end with Diamond at the piano singing a standard popular song or show tune from Powell's repertoire to his girlfriend Helen Asher in her penthouse at 975 Park Avenue. The theme, Leave It to Love, was whistled by Powell at the beginning of each episode. Well, tonight we hear about Jerome Jerome. Here's another in NBC's great parade of new shows. Now, Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, private detective. Hello there, this is Diamond You know, if you've ever got a few idle minutes And you need a good chuckle to keep you going Just turn to the personals in any of the local papers Now, I'm a guy with a strange sense of humor And it really takes something right out of left field To get a spasm out of my funny bone But just listen to this one out of the Little Rock Bugle Oh, yeah Bachelor, sincere young man, four feet ten, 190 pounds, handsome, out of work for a year, desires to meet a woman who can straighten him out. <laughs> See what I mean? If this guy does find a woman who can straighten him out, she'll probably do it with a flat iron. Oh, and, uh, and get this one. Young man with large personality, desires to meet a woman with big bank account and small sense of humor. Object, murder. Oh, excuse me, that's merger. Oh, and here's a real wizard. Attractive, intelligent girl, 30 years old, with bubbling enthusiasm for life. Neither smokes, drinks, nor stays up late. Vegetarian and hates comic books. Would like playmate who enjoys active recreation. Hmm. There'll be a month of fasting after that one. Oh, yeah, I knew I had something else. That case I got mixed up in last week. If you think those personals are silly... Will you hear about this? It all started about 11 o'clock one morning in my office. Mr. Richard Diamond, private detective? Uh, I was out with a hula dancer last night. Wait, I'll look in the mirror and tell you. Come on in so you can see, too. <coughs> my name is Jerome J. Jerome. Well, I'm not going to ask you what the J stands for. You are Mr. Diamond, aren't you? It's my face all right, but I'm sure the rest of me is on vacation. Don't you feel well? I don't feel at all. Ever danced the hula for six hours straight? I'm a past master of all forms of dancing. Care to waltz? What? Forget it. What can I do for you, Mr. Jerome? It's not what you can do for me, Mr. Diamond. It's what I can do for you. Well, that's a switch, but let's give it a whirl. What can you do for me, Mr. Jerome? I'm a millionaire, Mr. Diamond. Well, bless your little pointed head. <laughs> I'm also a G-man. I knew this would jump the track sooner or later. Tell me, if you're a G-man and a millionaire, where do you work? The U.S. Mint? I write songs, too. By the light of the silvery moon, I Mr. want to... Mr. Jerome. Yes, did you like it? You didn't by any chance write Swanee River? 
No, I believe Stephen Foster wrote that. You don't say. Yes, he stole the melody from me. I think we'd better waltz after all. Oh, Mr. Diamond, that's ridiculous. I'm glad somebody noticed. But you take a good zippy foxtrot now. Oh, now, wait a minute. Hold it. Hold it. Oh, you follow beautifully. Oh, I went to Vassar. Now, slow down before I pick you up and stuff you into a bottle. Oh, I'm sorry. Now, now, would you mind telling me how long you've been hiding out with the squirrels? Squirrels? Oh, I have a mink farm. You should do well. Look, Mr. Jerome, I think maybe you better go soak yourself in some hot tar or something. I came here to do you a favor, Mr. Diamond, and I do not intend to leave until you hear me out. Oh, well. Okay, what is it? You need a bodyguard. Operator, give me Bellevue. Mr. Diamond, please, there's no need to call Bellevue. Oh, stop being so narrow-minded. They'll give you a nice, quiet room, all by a little old lonesome. Well, go ahead and call them if you want to, but it will do you no good. Why not? They'll just think you're crazy. I'm on the staff there. Oh, yes, I should have known. I think you're making fun of me. I came up here because I knew of your reputation as a detective, and I want to help you with your work. You you get in trouble, don't you, all the time? Uh, habitually. Well, I want to protect you. Now, that's nice, but I really don't need a bodyguard. Hmm. Early stages of schizophrenia, also a slight persecution complex. Have you seen a good psychiatrist, Mr. Diamond? It's certainly a thought. Well, when do I start work? Well, you see, it's like this. I'm awfully sorry, but I have my own nutcracker. Oh, no, no, no. I mean as your bodyguard. I'm afraid the requirements are too tough. What are they? Well, first you have to find a freshly murdered corpse. It's kind of like a treasure hunt. Oh, I've got that. You got what? A freshly murdered corpse. That's one of the reasons I came up to see you. I thought you'd like to know. Oh, well, now, I'll tell you what you do. You go back and see if the corpse is still there. If it is, call me at once, okay? All righty. I'm off. Amen. Uh, Mr. Diamond? Yes? Remember, hopping hot toads have no hair. Oh, no. Mr. Diamond? Huh? Oh. I thought you'd better know something. I can only be your bodyguard for a week. <laughs> I'm getting married. Congratulations. Who's the lucky girl? It's Miss America. But don't breathe it around. I want time to check her measurements. I'll send you a fruitcake. Just bring it in. You're invited. Goodbye. Diamonds Rest Home. We specialize in nervous disorders, ingrown scalps, and the world's largest bowling alley. <laughs> oh, don't laugh. If you'd seen what just walked out of here, you'd go back to yo-yos. Well, what did just walk out of there? I'm not sure, but he had lovely blonde hair. He... Yeah, all over him. Rick, what in the world are you talking about? I'm talking about nothing in the world. Come on, tell Helen. Well, I've got to get it all straight first. If I figure it out, I'll come over and we can throw sesame seeds at each other. Oh, I'd love to. When will you be here? As soon as I shine up my elk's tooth and lock the office. Bye. I usually get some screwy ones, but this one was the topper of the season. I had a hunch that Jerome would be back, so I locked the office and did a quick sneak down the back stairs. I grabbed a cab, and ten minutes later, I was sitting in Helen Asher's study at 975 Park Avenue. Do you think his story about the body had any truth behind it? Well, he told me he was a millionaire, a G-man, owned a mink farm, and was going to marry Miss America. <laughs> now tell me you think there's some truth behind it, and I'll have you committed. Well, all right, but if he continues to pester you, you... You ought to call the authorities about him. Yeah, I guess I'll have to. Poor little man. Mm. It's a poor little man like that who ends up hanging his grandmother on a meat hook. Oh, he doesn't sound dangerous to me. Uh, sometimes the harmless ones work themselves right into a storm. Now, take me. You'd never guess that somewhere in the back of my head a square knot is being tied. Rick, now stop that. See? You didn't know it, but at high noon, I grow fangs and long claws. Now, stop it. You do that every time a good-looking girl walks past. <laughs> <laughs> you complete <laughs> idiot. <laughs> Rick, the phone's ringing. Oh, I hope it's happy. It might be something important. Oh, Rick, you're mussing my hair. Uh, now, now, stop that and answer the phone. Oh, you woman are fiend. Uh, Harold Oppenacher's happy home for hogs. Rick. Who is this? What's the matter with you all? Ain't you got your ear trumpet tip right? I know it's you, Diamond. 
No, it ain't. This is old Harold Applenocker. I'll let you talk to my gal, Lulabelle. Say hello to the lieutenant, Lulabelle. Howdy. Now, Diamond, you stop that. I just got back from my vacation, and things are already so confused, I may turn in my badge before the day is over. Well, come on down to the hog ranch, and I'll cook you up some hocks. Now, come on, Diamond. I'm not in the mood for any of your wild humor. Oh, what's the matter with you, Walt? Did you catch any fish? Oh, wait till I tell you. I got one that was so big... Is that why you called me? Huh? Oh, oh, no. Some guy's been pestering me for the last half an hour. Wants to know where you are. Says he's an old friend. Oh, his name wasn't Jerome J. Jerome, was it? Well, that was the first name he gave me. The last time he called, he said he was a G-man. That's Jerome. Want me to tell him where you are? You do it, I'll handcuff you to Sergeant Otis. Oh, don't say that name to me ever again. Why, Walt, you sound bitter. That hornet had worked nights just messing things up in homicide. Lieutenant Walter was taking calcium shots. The chief has locked himself in his office. Won't even open the door for food. Well, if Jerome calls again, tell him I've joined the South Siberian Balloon Corps. Now, wait a minute. Well, what do you want now, bonehead? Uh, it's that Jerome guy. He wants Diamond again. Says he found the body right where he left it. What? Diamond! Now, you wait a minute, Walt. What are you doing? Oh, picking up my eardrum. You better watch that yelling. You'll have an office full of hogs. Keep Otis out of this. Then I'll yell if I want to. Now, you get down here and explain about this body. Walt, I don't know anything about the body that Jerome guy is off his trolley. Yeah? Well, if there's the smallest possibility of a corpse turning up and you're involved, it'll turn up. Walt, you say it, but you don't mean it. I don't, huh? You get down here in ten minutes, or I'll have a warrant out for you, and I mean that. Now, step on it. Now, by heaven, I'll forget modern police procedure and drag out the rubber hose. Why don't you use Sergeant Otis's tongue? You could beat an elephant to death with it. I'm not kidding. I've heard two words, diamond and body. And that means overtime in this department. Now, get down here. All right, but you're mean. Oh, and diamond. Yes? Pick me up some bicarbonate on the way over, will you? I'll get you something. But don't spill it on your car. It'll take the paint off. Bye. Rick, what was that all about? Oh, Levinson's got heartburn again. That nut that wandered into my office told Otis about the body he says he's found. Oh, Walt didn't believe him, did he? Walt's been a cynic ever since we were introduced. I'll see you later this evening, honey. All right, Rick. What do you want to do? Helen. What? What you said. I had a mental picture of Walt eating his way through his desk, so I got some bicarbonate at the drugstore and hurried over before he got to the wiring and shorted out the whole department. As usual, the king of the forest met me in the squad room. Well, you're in Dutch, Shamus. I guess you're right, Sergeant Otis. How about lending me your wooden shoes? Oh, uh, what do you mean, wise guy? They ain't wood. And why do you use a crowbar instead of a shoehorn? Yeah, very funny. You better go on in. Lieutenant's liable to start breaking things. I hope he doesn't use his bare hands. Yeah? Why? Well, your head's liable to get in the way and you'll be crippled for life. Uh... All right, Walt. Stop chewing on that desk. Here's your bicarbonate. What are you talking about? Now you listen to me, Diamond. That's like telling a man to turn up his hearing aid in a bombing. You can stop being cute. That guy, Jerome J. Jerome, phoned just before you came in, and he sticks to his story about the body, but he won't tell us where he is. You don't really believe him, do you, Ward? He's nuts. Well, he did say something about playing quarterback for Notre Dame, but if you're mixed up in this, I can't take any chances. Oh, don't be an idiot, Walt. This little guy, Jerome, came waltzing into my office this morning and... Uh, Lieutenant. Oh. What is it? Uh, that guy, Jerome's on the phone again. He wants to talk to Diamond. Rick, pick up that phone and find out about that body. Oh, now, come on, Walt. You can use the extension in here. Go on. I promise you, you'll be sorry. You pick it up and say hello. Not to this guy, you won't. You'll come back with hopping, hop toads, have no hair or something. Hello, Jerome. Oh, Mr. Diamond. Good, 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 good. I've been trying to get you for some time. The body's here, all right. Where, Jerome? Can anyone hear? No, Jerome. Well, I thought maybe they had the line tapped. They do that, you know. Yes, Jerome. Now, where are you? I'm at the Osterham place. And if you don't want this corpse, I'm calling in Hawthorne of the death squad. Jerome, please. Now, where are you? The Osterham place on 74th Street. I'll be right over and don't let the corpse get away. Oh, it won't. I'm sitting on it. Oh. Well... Did you find out where he is? Oh, he said the Osterham place on 74th Street. What the devil's that? The Osterham place? That's old man Osterham's home. You know the eccentric old millionaire that died last year? Oh, how did Jerome get in? It's been turned into kind of a museum. The old boy had quite a collection of rare antiques. And when he died, he left the house to the city as sort of a show place. You mean he's open to the public? Yeah. Well, well let's go. Jerome's probably found a mummy for us. <laughs> 
On the way over, I told Walt about Jerome's sweet little visit in my office, and the lieutenant was all for stopping off for a straitjacket. When we got there, we looked out of the squad car at an old three-story brownstone. But more interesting was the sign that hung from the door. Closed Saturdays. And you guessed it. It was Saturday. We got out of the car and went up. Well, don't just stand there. Try the door. I'm with you. Got an axe? Ring the bell. If Jerome's in there, he'll probably answer. Oh, anything to make the police force happy. Mr. Diamond. What is that? That is Jerome over in the window. You will have to climb in here. Come on, Walt. We can't do that. Who's that with you, Diamond? Oh, uh, this is Lonely Levinson, Jerome. He collects bodies. Oh, good. He'll just love this one. Climb in. Coming on? Oh, go ahead. If there's a corpse in there, it's in the line of duty. I'll give you a boost. I can make it. Watch your real old fair baby. You shut up. <laughs> there. All right, Red Heart, you're next. Up, up, and away! Oh, I'm glad to see you both... I was getting tired of sitting around with her. The conversation was so one-sided. Sitting around with who? Her. Rick. Yeah. Do I qualify, Mr. Diamond? Hmm. Young girl. Been dead quite a while. Uh, uh Jerome. Yes, boss. Oh, oh, Ricky, how you found her? Well, this room is supposed to be sealed up. Sealed up? Yes, the building is a museum. Uh, not a very good one. I have much better things in my apartment. Uh-oh, we're I... losing him. Uh, uh Jerome... How you found her? Oh, 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 oh. Well, when the building is open to the public, they take you on tours. When we passed this room, we noticed it was sealed. I asked why, and the guard said it was because the late Mr. Osterham had stipulated in his will that the rest of the house could be shown but not this room. It was his private study. And he said if he ever wanted to come back, he didn't want a lot of people cluttering it up. Uh, who broke it in? I did. You did? Don't they have burglar alarms in this museum? Mr. Diamond... Lonely Levinson has an extreme case of supersensitivity. Does he always snap like that? Only when he hasn't been fed. Why did you break in? You should be careful, Mr. Lonely Levinson. You bite someone. Have you been checked for rabies? Now you listen to me. Walt, Walt, Walt. Uh, uh, Jerome, why did you break in? Well, it's perfectly obvious. When the guard told me the story, I played along with him. Of course, I knew it was just a trick to throw me off. Yeah, of course. Oh, would you mind turning your head? It's much better if you just chew on that curtain. Well, I, I waited until they closed the place. Then I came back, jimmied this window, and found the body. Then I came to you, Mr. Diamond. <laughs> Simple? Oh, sure. Rick, what are you doing? Oh, just looking at the dead girl. Come here. Ah, did you find something? Oh, got on an anklet. Name is, uh... uh strike a match, will you? Oh, wait a minute. There. Oh, Adelaide. Looks like she's been dead quite a while. Yeah, hmm? Uh, Jerome, when you found... Hey, Jerome. What? He's gone. Oh, we're a couple of swell sleuths. He's not out on the street. Must have climbed out and run for it. I'll send out a general on him. Yeah, I would if I were you. A guy like that shouldn't be running around loose. He's allowed to wind up on Stromboli. Well, Walt put out a general alarm on Jerome and then called in the rest of the experts to give him the dope on the dead girl. I didn't wait around because I had a hunch that Jerome would find me again. I was right. Because at that moment, he was sitting in my office behind my desk. Diamond Detective Agency? Rick? Who is this? Oh, now, stop clowning. This is Helen. Never heard of you. Why don't you dames leave me alone? Uh, by the light of the silvery moon. I guess I'll have to write some new lyrics. Oh, dear. Yes, what is it? Well, you sure got there in a hurry. Who is this? Now, you stop that, Diamond. You know very well who this is. What do you want, stupid? Stupid? Yeah, rhymes with Cupid. Could do a song on it. Like to hear my latest? I've been working on the railroad all the living long day. What kind of a song do you suppose I could write with stupid and Cupid? Oh, hello, Mr. Diamond. Hey, what's going on? Well, hello, Jerome. Taking my calls for me? Yes, and wait till you hear the pixie I've got on the line. <laughs> Here. Uh, thanks. Hello, Walt. Rick? Yeah, you were talking to Jerome. I just came in. I might have known it. Don't let him out of your sight. Uh, of course not. Now, uh, what did you find out? Oh, oh yeah. The dead girl is one Adelaide Smith. Had a record. Blackmail artist. Been dead about three days. Working for a Patrick Mahaffey attorney on Pine Street. She was strangled. Mm, blackmail artist, huh? Very smooth, or used to be. Any line on Mahaffey's background? We're checking into that now. 
Well, find out one thing more for me, will you? If I can, what? Uh, when that museum was open to the public. Well, that's easy. I'll call you back. Uh, hold on to that Jerome guy. Oh, sure, sure. Oh, uh, Walt. Yeah? Jerome's gone again. What? Bye. Oh, uh, sorry to bust in, but you seem to be missing your secretary. Come in, come in. My secretary just walked out the other day. I haven't had time to get another from the agency. Are you uh, Patrick Mahaffey? Yes. What can I do for you? Uh, was your secretary's name Adelaide Smith? Why, yes. How did you know? Oh, from the police. They just put a tag on her down at the morgue. Good Lord, she... she isn't... She certainly is. The morgue is very choosy about its tenants. Oh, that's terrible. What was it, an accident? Well, if it was, the insurance companies are going to have to set up a new system. She was strangled. Oh, how horrible. Uh, yes. You, uh, you're an attorney, aren't you, Mr. Mahaffey? Why, yes. Are, are you from the police? I oh, just left them. What kind of an attorney? Why, just general law. Ever do anything you could be blackmailed for? What? Why, why, of course not. Ever have any business with the Osterham estate? No. No, I never handled any of the Osterham business. Why? Oh, uh, oh nothing. I'll see you later, Mr. Mahaffey. <laughs> Homicide, Lieutenant Levinson. Walt Diamond, what did you find out about Mahaffey? Rick, there's something fishy. You gotta stop going to these cheap restaurants. Oh, be serious. That Mahaffey guy was executor for the Osterham estate. What? Yeah, funny coincidence. Coincidence, my shoulder holster. I just left him and he told me he'd never even heard of the Osterham estate. Now, why would he do that? He's certainly smart enough to know we could check. Maybe he wanted time enough to skip. You think he's mixed up in the killing? Oh. Did you find out when the museum was open to the public? Yeah, the city completed the alterations two days ago. And, if it means anything to you, that room was sealed up on the last day. Oh, thanks, Walt. And something else. We checked in the dead girl's bank account. She had 22000 in it. A lot for a secretary, huh? Yeah, but not too much for a high-class blackmailer. Do one more thing for me, Walt. Find out if Osterham had any heirs. Now, what good will that do? I want to find out just how many people would know about that sealed room before the public got wind of it. Okay, I'll have my happy picked up right away. No, no, no. Don't do it yet. I want ten minutes with him. Where, uh, where's his house? I got it right here. 93rd Street, West End Avenue. But I don't see why you won't let me grab my happy. We know he's lying. You just check on that will. I'm going to throw you a killer. <laughs> I left the phone booth and headed for West End Avenue and Patrick Mahaffey's residence. Strangely enough, it was on the west side of town. And when I got there, I spotted a green sedan in front of the house. I started up to the front door and Mahaffey met me halfway. He had a suitcase and he was in a hurry. Oh, it's you. Uh, your memory's getting better. Come on, you don't want to leave right now. Let's go back inside. But I have to catch a plane. I'm leaving town on business. Oh, I'll bet you are. Let's go. Now, wait just a minute. You have no legal right. Do I have to show you my biceps? Oh, uh, well, all right. But make it brief. I'm late as it is. Now, just what is this all about? I thought you said you didn't have any business with the Osterham estate. Why, that's right. I checked. Oh. Hmm. Just exactly what was your capacity? Well, I, uh, I handled the incomes on the trust account. I was also the executor of the will. You wouldn't be handling it now, would you? When Mr. Osterham died and I executed his will, my job was done. Were there any heirs? Two. Neither of them were able to hear the reading. Who did hear it? Just an official from the city. Why weren't the heirs present? Because one of them couldn't be found. The other one was in a kennel. In a kennel? A cocker spaniel. He received $10,000. Oh, I bet he rolled right over on his back. Who was the other heir? Mr. Osterham's nephew. He hasn't been heard from in ten years. He went to France to study hat designing, but hat jobs were very scarce, so he just vanished. He was rather eccentric. Oh. Now we come to the jackpot question. What you got in the bag? What? You look a little green. Open it up. Now, look, you can't do this to me. It's against the law. Where's your warrant? I got a fistful of them, see? Oh. All right. There. Dump it out. But I've got to catch a plane if I dump, dump all this... Dump it out. Well, well, well. Yes. It's a lot of money, isn't it? Sure is. Isn't it lovely? Well, I'm glad you like it. Go ahead. Take half. I was hoping you wouldn't say that. Why not? Because I'll hate myself for the next two years. Put it back in the bag and let's go. But I'm offering you $100,000. You must be a fool. Oh, this is a very elementary deduction. Come on, you can figure it out and sing-sing. I don't think so. You should have looked in my pocket, too. Oh, 
I hope that's an old pipe you're pointing at me. I hate to disappoint you. It's a 38. <laughs> now, you're turning green. Now, you better answer it. That's the police, and they know I'm here. All right, but you say one thing wrong, and I'll have to shut you up permanently. Yes? Is Diamond there? Yes. Let me talk to him. All right. You were right. It's for you. Go ahead. Talk to him. But I warn you again. Hello? I'm getting tired of dialing. Everything all right? Just dandy. What did you find out? There were two heirs, and get this. One of them was a... Cocker Spaniel. Yeah, how did you know? What else? Well, that guy Mahaffey's a crook. We checked and found out that there's only about 10000 left in the trust fund. The bank says Mahaffey had power of attorney, and he'd drawn out about 200000 You got him there with you? Yeah, but it's all in the way you look at it. Oh, it's like that, huh? Let's see if you can stall him. There ought to be a prowl car nearby. Goodbye, Walt. Did you get the information you wanted? Yeah, you killed the girl. Probably because she found out you were dipping into the till. You paid her 10000 and got her over to the museum and strangled her. I took the money, yes. But you're just guessing about the murder. Uh-uh. No one else but you knew about that closed room until after it was sealed and the public was told. The girl was killed the day before the room was sealed. You figured she'd never be found, but a little guy named Jerome J. Jerome went in and found the body. And if I'm right, little Jerome is really the missing heir. Impossible. Wasn't the museum rigged with a burglar alarm? Yes. Well, we found Jerome inside and the window open. He'd climbed in, but the alarm hadn't gone off. Simple. A member of the family might still have a key. He found the alarm and disconnected it. I don't believe it. But you must, Mr. Mahaffey. What? No, it can't be. Oh. Well, <laughs> you really throw a beautiful left jab, Mr. Dime. Oh, thanks for turning his head, Jerome. Now, would you mind telling me something just to sort of clear things up a little? You mean, am I really cracked? No. Like Mr. Mahaffey said, uh, just a little <laughs> eccentric. You see, I found out the money was missing, so I looked up the girl. She told me for 20000 she'd show me the thief. She told me to meet her at the museum that night and the thief would be there. When I got there, she was dead. Well, I knew I couldn't solve the case myself, and if anyone found out who I really was, I might be held. So I became Jerome J. Jerome and hired Richard Diamond. Correction, I was not hired. Correction again. You'll receive a very substantial check as soon as the estate is settled. And thank you. Thank you. Oh, you might do me one more favor. If you know anyone who would like to buy a hat, I have got some dillies. I'll speak to Hedda Hopper in the morning. It's lovely, but... But you don't like it? Well, yes. Uh, well, what's the matter? I don't know what it is. You don't know what it is? It's a hat. A hat? Certainly. Here, here, give it to me. Now, look, you put it on this way, <laughs> see? Well, what are you laughing at? Oh, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> I might even do a Hildegard if I got the right bookings. A pair of long gloves. All of a sudden, my heart sings. <laughs> When I remember little things, the way you Rick, used now to... stop it. I will not. I may have found a way to make a million. You're just jealous, that's all. I've got the hat and I'm pretty. Just sing a song and finish it for a change. Oh, I'd love to. I don't know from nothing, baby. All I know is I love you. I don't care for nothing, baby, if I knew you cared for me, too. So won't you make your mind up, baby, tell me that you love me, please do. For I don't know from nothing, baby, all I know is I love you. We bought a sponsor, all I know is I love you. Well, there you are. I finished it. Are you happy? Oh, well, yes. But where did the band come from? Did you like it? <laughs> yes, it was great. Well, if it's great, don't ask questions. Uh, thank you, Von Monroe. Uh, honey, the name is Diamond. Oh, Mr. Monroe, I just love your record. No, no, baby, the name is Diamond. Mr. Monroe, ever since the first time I heard you sing, I've... Come here, I want to tell you something. Racing with the moon, sailing through the 
midnight blur. You have just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Helen was played by Virginia Gregg. Lieutenant Levinson by Ed Begley. Also in the cast were Wilms Herbert, Joseph Kearns, and Stanley Waxman. Music was under the direction of Frank Worth. Richard Diamond is written by Blake Edwards and directed by Richard Sandville. Dick Powell soon will be seen in the current screen version of the best-selling novel, Mrs. Mike. Now, this is John Storm inviting you to be with us again at the same time next week when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. <laughs> Stay tuned for Our Miss Brooks next on Theater of the Mind. Time now to drop into Madison High to see what's happening with Connie Brooks and the gang of usual suspects in tonight's episode entitled Taxidermists. Palm Olive Soap, your beauty hope, and Bluster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair bring you Our Miss Brooks starring Eve Arden. <laughs> For many teachers, June 17th marked the last day of the regular school term. Well, this also applied to our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School. Unlike many other teachers, however, I had volunteered for summer school duty. The reason? Oh, you can put it down to any one of a number of things. Caprice, the spirit of cooperation, hunger... <laughs> Anyway, I did look forward to a week's vacation before summer school started. So last Friday morning, I sat down at the table in Mrs. Davis's dinette and started to count the money I had saved during the past semester. Let's see now. Five, ten, twelve, sixteen, twenty-six. Oh, here's a fifty. That's about it. <laughs> How much money have you got for your vacation, Connie? Seventy-six cents, Mrs. Davis. <laughs> really? Where are you going? Oh, I haven't decided. They say Monte Carlo is lovely this time of year. <laughs> I wish I could let you have some assistance, Connie, but I'm very short myself. Oh, I know. I could let you have the rent money I charged you for the last two weeks. Would you really, Mrs. Davis? Of course I would, Connie. Then I'm sorry I didn't pay it to you. <laughs> Maybe there's some way you can earn some extra money in your spare time, Connie. I remember my brother Victor used to earn quite a bit of vacation money when he was only a boy. How, Mrs. Davis? Shoveling snow. <laughs> No, in June? No, in Juno. He spends... <laughs> he spends most of his vacations in Alaska. Oh. Or uh, you might get some ideas out of these magazines here. They're just full of ads telling about spare time jobs. Mm, I'll see them. Mm. Herman Zuko made $6 the first day. At what? Popping corn on his own home popper. <laughs> they send you all the equipment, plus 50 pounds of corn, absolutely free of charge. All you have to do is mail them a deposit. How much? $245. <laughs> I guess that one won't do. No. Oh, here's one. Future Unlimited. Learn to fly in your own home. That's no good either. My room isn't big enough. Oh, look at this one, Connie. Let's see. Be the life of the party and earn good money besides. Whose picture is that, Connie? It says, uh, Bride of the Month, Gretchen Cleek. Earned $15 playing the banjo at her own wedding. 
don't seem to be so many opportunities in this issue, Connie. Well, maybe I'll think of something on my way to school. Walter Denton's picking me up this morning. What's the matter with your car, Connie? I've had a little tire trouble, Mrs. Davis. Well, isn't your spare in good condition? My spare's in perfect condition. It's the other four that are shot. How about another cup of coffee, Connie? All right, Mrs. Davis. Not you, Minerva. You've already had your breakfast. This cat eats as a caution. She's getting fat as a horse. Good. Maybe I can ride her to school one of these days. Now you go on into the kitchen, Minerva. Go ahead, Minerva. Yesterday's paper is under the sink with a big fat Mickey Mouse cartoon. Such a pretty thing. Yes, she is. Hey, wait a minute. No, I don't suppose her fur would bring much. I'll get it. No, I'll get it. I have long arms. Good morning, Walter. Come in. Wait. This is not a moment to be passed over lightly. This is an exquisite moment. A delicious moment. A moment to be savored and sipped like a rare old wine. Sorry, bud. We don't serve minors at this bar. (laughs) Come on in, Walter. The sun's heating up the dust in the hall. Don't you realize, Miss Brooks, that there's nothing quite as wonderful as coming face-to-face with one's teacher on one's last day of school? Oh, yes, there is, Walter. What? The moment when one's teacher turns one's back on one's pupils on the last day of school. (laughs) Yes. Parting is such sweet sorrow. Well, we won't be parting for long. I volunteered to teach during the summer school term, and your marks have volunteered for you. (laughs) Yes, I know. But it won't be too bad. I guess my old pal Stretch will be with me. I understand that the marks he got in his final exams weren't so hot. Uh, By the way, Miss Brooks, how do you do in English? You don't have to worry about Stretch, Walter. He made summer school with flying colors. I was just having a cup of coffee. Would you like something to eat before we leave the house? Oh, well, I had my breakfast, Miss Brooks, but I can always nibble. Good. Come into the dinette, Walter. Good morning, Mrs. Davis. Good morning, Walter. Can I fix you something? Uh, would ham and eggs be too much trouble? That ought to make a nice nibble. <laughs> I'll fix them for you in a jiffy, Walter. What kind of bread do you want? Oh, what have you got? White, rye, and whole wheat. That'll be fine. <laughs> this kid eats like a cat. Well, Miss Brooks, how, how are you going to spend all the next week? Oh, I may not spend all of it, Walter. I'll probably save some. <laughs> that is, I couldn't think of going away anywhere until I recuperate. Recuperate? From what, Miss Brooks? From an ancient malady, Walter. It's called Teacher's Blight. Gosh, how long have you had that? It's just setting in. The symptoms are always the same. First a hollow feeling in the pit of the pocketbook, followed by a general tightening of the purse strings. In a word, you're broke? In three words, yes, darn it. Anything to be too desperate about, Miss Brooks? Being broke isn't so bad if you've got friends. I know, Walter, but it's just as nice to be rich and have friends. Yeah, that's true, too. But let's pursue this matter further. In order to effect a cure, we must first find the cause of the ailment. Go ahead, Doctor. At present, you are without funds, correct? Correct. Hence, you must have spent what funds you possessed on something other than that which you'd like to have said funds available for now, mustn't you? It'll take more than summer school to straighten out that sentence Go ahead, Walter Uh, What I mean, Miss Brooks, is that you haven't enough money for a vacation now Because of the way you let it slip through your fingers earlier in the season You're right, Walter I could have afforded a wonderful week in the country If I hadn't frittered away all my earnings on food and rent (laughs) Here you are, Walter 
Here's some nice scrambled ham and baked eggs. <laughs> Beg pardon? It's a brand new recipe I've discovered. It's called ham and eggs country style. In what country? <laughs> if you'll excuse me, Walter, I'd like to look through some more of these magazines while you're eating. I've been trying to find some way to make some money in my spare time. Oh, gosh, why didn't you say so, Miss Brooks? She just did, Walter. But there doesn't seem to be anything worthwhile. You mean you really want to work at something other than teaching, Miss Brooks? During my free time, yes. Well, then I may have just the thing for you. You see, I'm trying to raise some extra money, too, Miss Brooks, and I'd be happy to... Oh, no. No, first, I've got to get permission from my partners. Your partners? Yeah. Stretch Snodgrass and Harriet Conklin. Oh, but I'm sure they'll be glad to have you with us. With you in what, Walter? Well, it's very confidential. I won't breathe a word of it, Walter. Word of honor, Mrs. Davis? Word of honor. Honestly, Miss Brooks, this thing is terrific. What thing is terrific? It's just a gold mine. Give me a map and a shovel, and I'll meet you there at midnight. <laughs> now, come on, Walter. You've had me in suspense long enough. What is this fabulous sideline I'm getting into? Well, I'd rather not say until we talk to Stretch and Harriet. But I'm going to pick them up on our way to school. They're waiting in the pet shop that Stretch's dad runs. Oh, that reminds me. I've got to feed Minerva. Say, that's right. The poor thing hasn't had a square meal in ten minutes. <laughs> I'll take care of everything, Connie. You run along with Walter. And I wish you both a lot of luck in your new enterprise. Thanks, Mrs. Davis. Well, we better be going, Miss Brooks. All right, Walter, but you'll have to give me a few minutes to fix up. After all, if we're going to the Snodgrass Pet Shop, I want to look my best. You mean when you meet your new business associates? Not entirely, Walter. There's a monkey in there who has a crush on me. <laughs> a monkey? Yes. Stretch once read him Tarzan of the Apes, and he thinks I'm Jane. <laughs> with Walter Denton is always an invigorating experience. It's great practice for underwater swimming, too. At one point during our ride, I held my breath for three straight blocks. When we finally arrived at our destination, I made a mental note to send a generous contribution to the League for Frightened Pedestrians. Well, here's the pet shop, Miss Brooks. It better be. A jewelry store would look pretty silly with all those puppies in the window. Oh, aren't they cute, Walter? What's that St. Bernard doing in there? Well, that's Stretch. Oh. <laughs> Come on, let's go in. Hiya, Stretch. It's me. Oh, hi, Walter. Oh, hello, Miss Brooks. Hello, Stretch. Where's your dad? Well, he'll be down later. I opened the shop today. I was just feeding the animals. How about Harriet? She had breakfast at home. <laughs> oh, you mean where is she at? Oh, she's in back examining some of our equipment. Oh, let's go back. We've got to vote Miss Brooks into the business. No kidding. Is Miss Brooks coming in with us? Well, that depends on if she still wants to after she hears what it is. It also depends on if I'm not too old when I hear what it is. Well, it's about time you... Oh, hello, Miss Brooks. Good morning, Harriet. It was my fault Walter's late. We were discussing the possibilities of my joining your new enterprise. Our enterprise? Yes, the one that's well calculated to keep you in... Suspense. <laughs> Is it okay with you, Harriet? Miss Brooks will make a wonderful contact man for us. Yeah, she sure will. A swell contact man. Of course, I'll feel a little foolish in this dress. <laughs> well, I'm all for it, of course, but... Well, do you know what the business is, Miss Brooks? No. It's taxidermy. Taxidermy? Yeah. You know, where you stuff stuff. <laughs> Just any stuff. Birds and animals and things like that that people grow attached to. Well, I don't know, kid. Oh, I don't think to that... it, Miss Brooks. My dad is furnishing all the equipment. He used to be in that business, you know. It's really a public service, Miss Brooks. Like when old Mr. Phillips, you know, the man who has the farm right nearby? Well, one of his pet oxen died and he felt terrible till Stretch's dad fixed him up. Sure. 
Now the ox is still standing in his stall out in the barn, and, and Mr. Phillips can run in and see him every once in a while. He's exactly like when he was alive. Without the pulling power, of course. <laughs> it's a great business, Miss Brooks. And just think, you don't have to ha make any investment. All you need is an apron and something sharp. But you better think it over, Miss Brooks. Taxidermy may not be a dignified enough avocation for a school teacher. Well, I'm afraid Harriet's right. Besides, I wouldn't want to deplete your share of the earnings. I imagine there isn't too much money in it. Well, with the orders we've got in already, we should gross almost $100. Plus some swell leads that you could follow up as a contact man. Sure. Altogether, we'll clear about $50 apiece. Did you say $50? Sure. Stretch. Yes, Miss Brooks? Throw me an apron, an ox, and something sharp. <laughs> Although a little dubious about my new extracurricular activity, Stuffing Stuff Incorporated, I was determined to raise some extra money. I got my first opportunity as a taxidermy salesman during lunch period. Oh, excuse me, Miss Brooks, but I've got a wonderful lead for our new business. Really, Harriet? Who is it? My father. Your father? But you've got a moose head in your living room now. <laughs> want something stuffed. I happen to know that he caught a fish up at Crystal Lake yesterday, and he's entering it in his fishing club's annual contest this afternoon. Maybe you can sell him the idea of having it mounted. But why me? Why don't you sell him the idea? Because coming from me, the whole thing would seem like kid stuff to Daddy. But with you handling it, the whole project takes on weight. I guess this girdle has given up the ghost. <laughs> Look, Harriet... Your father's a pretty tough customer, and I'm not the logical contender. You shouldn't be afraid of Daddy, Miss Brooks. His bark is much worse than his bite. I don't know about that. A bite you can have cauterized. <laughs> but this is a great opportunity to get our business off to a flying start. Why, did he catch a flying fish? <laughs> Say you'll take a crack at Daddy. Well, if you'll get somebody to hold him, I'll... I mean... <laughs> you think I ought to, Harriet, I'll talk to your father. Is he having lunch in the cafeteria? No, Miss Brooks. Since he went fishing yesterday, he can't stand the sight of food. So he's taken a baked apple to his office. Now, go ahead, Miss Brooks. Beard the lion in his den. All right, Harriet. I'll try to beard the lion. But I'd feel a lot better if I'd once removed a thorn from his paw. <laughs> Mr. Conklin, could I see you for a moment? I suppose so, Miss Brooks. Have a seat. I'm trying to get this baked apple down. <laughs> Who won the first fall? <laughs> I, I heard you were a little upset lately. Yes, yes, ever since my little expedition to Crystal Lake yesterday. But it was worth it, Miss Brooks. I landed a beauty, even though the lake got pretty rough for a while there. Oh, I know the feeling, Mr. Conklin. The last time I went fishing, it got pretty choppy. I'll never forget how that boat pitched and rolled and pitched and rolled. Oh, no. <laughs> if you don't mind, Miss Brooks, I wish you'd postpone the recital of your experience at sea till I had another go at this baked apple. What I wanted to talk to you about was that beauty you hauled in yesterday. Now, you must admit, Mr. Conklin, that there's nothing quite as unprepossessing as a dead fish. <laughs> Miss Brooks, there must be something else we can chat about. Oh, this is important, Mr. Conklin. Do you realize that I can transform into a vibrant, beautiful object what is now nothing but a cold, gray, sodden mass? How, you ask? I do not. Well, I'll tell you. My taxidermy, Mr. Conklin. Take Mr. Phillips, the farmer. Months after it passed away, Mr. Phillips could still go out to his barn and see his pet ox standing there. Well, bully for him. <laughs> Mr. 
Now for another try at this baked apple. Mr. Conklin, I'm afraid you underestimate the importance of taxidermy. Have you any idea of what it takes to stuff an ox? (laughs) Miss Brooks, would you like this baked apple? Mr. Conklin, I just had some stuffed peppers for lunch. Naturally. (laughs) Now, what is all this nonsense about taxidermy? Well, frankly, Mr. Conklin, I'm trying to earn a little extra money in my spare time. But, Miss Brooks, taxidermy... Your fish will make a wonderful trophy, especially if it wins the contest this afternoon. But I'm not at all sure it will win the contest. It's only a 29-inch bass. Last year, it took a 32-incher to win. Well, then you should turn the fish over to us before the contest. Taxidermy will make it even larger. I'm surprised at you, Miss Brooks. Stuffing fish. You, a public educator, stooping to such... to such... larger? (laughs) Inches larger. You'll find the speckled beauty in the cafeteria refrigerator. It's roomier than the one we have at home. Oh, thank you, Mr. Conklin. You won't be sorry. The club is meeting at my home at five sharp. You're sure you can have it there by then? Positive, Mr. Conklin. Very well. Oh, one more thing, Miss Brooks. What is it going to cost me to stuff my fish? Shall we say a fin, Mr. Conklin? Then we're bound to run into each other. That's where this bass and I are headed. Well, here we are, Mrs. Davis. Oh, hello, Connie. I was just... Who's that with you? <laughs> this is a 29-inch bass, which is about to be preserved for Mr. Conklin and posterity. Meow. Oh, hello, Minerva. She's hungry again. But so far, I haven't given in to her. I don't like the way she stuffs herself lately. Me either. It isn't fair to us taxidermists. Now, <laughs> uh, let me put this fish in the icebox till the kids get here, hmm? There. That ought to keep until my business associates arrive. Your business associates? Harriet, Walter, and Stretch. I'm sales manager of Stuffing Stuff Incorporated. I just put my first client in the icebox. Mr. Conklin's commissioned us to have his fish mounted. What a charming notion. And now, if you'll excuse me, dear, I've got some shopping to do. I was on my way out the back door when you came in. Certainly, Mrs. Davis. Oh, is it all right if we use the kitchen for a little while? Of course, dear. Just help yourself. Goodbye. Bye, Mrs. Davis. We're stuffing Mr. Conklin's bass. Hooray, hooray. Coming. Well, here we are, Miss Brooks. Yep, here we are. Come in, boys. Where's Harriet? Well, she didn't come, Miss Brooks. She said she'd rather sit this part of the business out. It gets kind of gooky. <laughs> I think I'll sit with her. I got all the equipment here, Miss Brooks. Where's the subject? Back in the kitchen. Just follow me. It's a pretty good-sized fish, boys. I hope it doesn't take too long to do the job. Oh, it'll just be a few minutes, Miss Brooks. Oh, nothing to it. Old Stretch just takes out his pointy knife and then... Uh, never mind the details, Walter. It... Uh, the fish is in the icebox here. Oh, now, that's funny. I put it right on the bottom shelf. Well, isn't there now? Meow, <laughs> meow. Look at Minerva. She looks like the cat that swallowed the canary. She looks like the cat that swallowed the canary that swallowed the bass. Look, Miss Brooks, look at this skeleton over here in the corner. What's it doing out of my closet? It's all that's left of the fish. Gosh, I can't stuff a skeleton. This is simply terrible, boys. Mr. Conklin's fishing club's meeting at his home in a couple of hours. Oh, Minerva, how could you do this to me? The way you eat, you should oink instead of meowing. Right. Now get out of this kitchen before I paste some fins on you and put you on a board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, 
there's only one thing we can do. You kids will have to run down to Hershey's Market and buy the closest thing to a 29-inch bass that they've got. Oh, great, Miss Brooks. Mr. Conklin will never know the difference. I hope not. Now, hurry. Come on, Stretch. Okay, Walter. Oh, just one thing, Miss Brooks. What color fish should we ask for? Color? Ask for... I don't know. Bass color, I guess. Well, here we are, Miss Brooks. Now put him on the kitchen table here, Stretch. Okay, Walter. I think the first thing to do is spray him with a bottle of sweet air. Wait a minute. He doesn't look as big as the one Mr. Conklin caught. Oh, don't worry about that, Miss Brooks. We bought a football bladder and a tire pump, too. Uh, it was Walter's idea. That's what it sounds like. Sure. We just stick the bladder in him and pump him up till he's the right size. But isn't that dangerous? Not if we're careful. Come on, Stretch. Let's get started. Okay, Walter. Flashlight. Flashlight. Hammer. Hammer. Ice pick. Smelling salts. <laughs> Don't worry, I won't. The rubber bladder's in. Now start pumping. There. Think that's enough air, Miss Brooks? Enough. If his eyes pop out any further, we'll be sued by Eddie Cantor. And so, fellow members of the fishing club, it is with a good deal of pride that I accept this blue ribbon for my entry in the annual contest. If you'll just hold the fish up, Miss Brooks, I'd like to pin this ribbon right on his gleaming side. Oh, oh but Mr. Conklin, I wouldn't advise well, you. there we are. In you go. <laughs> The fish blew up, followed shortly afterwards by Mr. Conklin. (laughs) Thus ended the career of Constance Brooks, girl taxidermist. (laughs) However, I was still determined to find some outside source of income. So when I arrived home, I started looking through the magazines once again. Well, Connie, have you made any vacation money as yet? No, I haven't, thanks to that hoggish cat of ours. Wait a minute. I've got it. What, Connie? The perfect business. Make violins in your own home. I'm going to start immediately. But, Connie, you haven't got any of the equipment. Oh, no? Here, Minerva. Here, kitty, 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 kitty. Brought to you by Palmolive Soap, your beauty hope, and Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, written and directed by Al Lewis, with music by Wilbur Hatch. Mr. Conklin was played by Gail Gordon. Others in tonight's cast were Jane Morgan, Dick Crenna, Gloria McMillan, and Leonard Smith. Liberally sprinkled with laughs, listen to Mr. and Mrs. North, the exciting, fun-packed adventures of an amateur detective and his beautiful wife. Tune in Tuesday evening over most of these same stations. And be with us again next week at the same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. Stay tuned now for Life with Luigi, which follows over most of these stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting Thank you for listening. Tomorrow, we wrap up the week with Nightbeat, followed by Fibber McGee and Molly. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. 
The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.